I'm Elena Landsberg-Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move, the podcast that kicks old stereotypes to the curb. Come meet these creative, outrageous, authentic, adventurous, irreverent, and powerful disruptors and influencers. Grandmothers, from the living room to the courtroom, making powerful contributions in every walk of life. We know them most intimately as loving caregivers, the older women in our lives with a thousand stories about their grandchildren and pictures in their purses. In this podcast, you'll come to know even more about our grandmothers. They are galvanized, determined, and are guaranteed to get you thinking. What drives them? What are they up to? What is the potential of grandmother power, and how is it changing the world? Grandmothers are on the move. You don't want to be left behind. Hi, it's Elena. Welcome back to Grandmothers on the Move. Today, I'm speaking to Pat Dunn, and if her name rings a bell, it's probably because you saw a posting on the Grandmothers on the Move Facebook page where I shared a story about a group that Pat started on Facebook called Senior Ladies Living Together, and how it started with her own search for women to live with and expanded very quickly to almost like a movement of older women who are thinking about and looking for the same thing. Pat, thank you for joining us. It's wonderful to have you on Grandmothers on the Move. Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity, Lana. Why don't we just dive in and you tell me about Senior Ladies Living Together and why it started and why you thought about doing it and how it came to be. Well, it started out of my own need. I realized in January of this year that if I kept going the way I was going, I was going to have enormous debt and I would never get out of. And I had to find a way to make uh, my monthly income last and pay for everything I needed. So I knew the biggest portion of that was rent. And perhaps there were other ladies in the same situation as me. I was also very lonely after the death of my husband. And I knew I needed to create some friendships and have a support system. I found the office experience of even applying for rent geared to income. It didn't feel right to me. When I go into seniors' apartments, buildings, it always feels so closed off. You walk down the hallways and every closed door after closed door, and sometimes people peeking out and even the activities and stuff. And it felt just not right for me. I found the office uh, experience of even applying wasn't pleasant. I didn't feel welcomed. I didn't feel understood or valued in any way. So I thought, oh, I don't want that either to spend the rest of my life with an agency overseeing my life. And so I want way more autonomy. You know, maybe one day I'll have to accept that reality. But right now I don't need to. So I kept my brain going and Golden Girls came to my mind and I thought, well, why not? There must be some other ladies in the Peterborough, Lindsay area like me who are concerned about finances and socially isolated in some ways. I thought, okay, I'm just going to ask. I knew how to do a Facebook group, put a Facebook group together and I anticipated maybe 10 women joining me in that area. And by the end of the first week, I had 58. And I thought, okay, this is way too big for it to be just about me. And so it became a passion. It became a project. It became basically my life for the last five months to help others as well as myself. And now we are at 1,560 members after just five months. I'm just thrilled, of course, that I can help in some way. What I'm learning is I wasn't the only 65-year-old lonely lady out there. There's literally thousands and thousands of us. 
group is just Ontario, but because of the publicity we've had, women have contacted me to ask if I would help them start a group in their province as well. But I haven't got time for that, so I'm still <laughs> trying to figure out how that's going to happen, but I definitely would like to help if I can. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit more about that social isolation, because I think that's something that you are so clear about and you've tapped into. I had been out of the country for four years. So coming back, I had to start over. All my friends had dissipated around doing their own retirement things. And and then my husband died. So I was very, very isolated. And I'm finding that's not uncommon at all. What I find is it's hard for some people to say I'm lonely, even to themselves, because, you know, particularly women, we spend our lives getting on with it, just doing, don't feel very much like taking care of the laundry tonight, but it's got to be done. So you do it, (laughs) right? you know, and we're also used to putting our own needs, even social needs in the background to make sure the Mm. kids are okay. And, you know, we're exhausted at the end of the day. It's hard to go out, have some fun with the girls. So then we don't feel comfortable saying, I'm lonely. Bottom line is, when we start to face that, we have to admit that although maybe not lonely all of the time, we're lonely some of the time. And I think that's what the ladies do when they come into the group. I provide them with things to read and to understand the issues. And then they start to see that, gosh, this would be a real option into my future because all social connection that we have is just going to start to dissipate more and more and more as we age. And so, you know, 10 years from now, when I'm, you know, 79, my life could look very, very different socially unless I do something about it now. I hear this from a lot of grandmothers and older women that one of the things that fuels that kind of isolation is that it's not an age when you think you're going to meet new people and make completely new friends in your life. Absolutely. And yet a group like yours shows that that's absolutely possible and even desirable. Exactly. Exactly. And so for yourself, just to close the loop on your own story, what happened for you in terms of your own living situation? When you and I were going to speak last week, you were the throes of moving. So I take it you did move in somewhere with your Yeah, well, my husband and I had been traveling on our boat. We'd sold everything and we were on our retirement voyage, so to speak, right. in the Caribbean when he died. And so I had to sell the boat, come back to Canada. I had to sell the boat at a much reduced cost from what it was worth, which left me with very little purchasing power when I got to Canada. And I wanted to own something. I wanted to use the money and own something. So I found a, a trailer in a trailer park, nice trailer park with all the amenities and everything. And I bought that felt good. I had something to own. I was enjoying fixing it up, painting it, doing gardening and stuff like that. But only five months of the year because the park closed for the winter. So uh-huh. seven months of the year, I had to find somewhere else to live. So that starts to get costly. (laughs) And so my savings very quickly uh, dissipated from that. And also, you know, I didn't think it was going to be quite so expensive. I knew I had to sell my trailer. So that was the other part of my decision in February to start the group was if I'm going to have to sell my trailer, I want something full time and I want social support right there. And I want to participate in a community. So as it turned out, I met my ladies that I'm going to be living with in the group. We've had some great conversations. We're starting to develop a homemade agreement so we can talk about all the issues before we live together. And we're looking for a house to rent together. So I worked hard at making all that happen. So I tell the ladies in the group, this is a work group. We provide the platform, the ways and means, so to speak, of making it happen. But you still got to do the work and get out there and meet the ladies you want to meet. That's fascinating because you're clearly very industrious and 
<laughs> by hook or by crook, you're making it work. This sounds labor intensive. I mean, very rewarding, but labor intensive. And I think I read somewhere that you were working all day, every day, seven days a week sometimes in this working group. So why is that? What is taking up that much time and why is it worth it? Mm -hmm. Well, certainly running a Facebook group is not a simple thing to do it well. It requires a lot more work than people realize. My passion for this keeps me invested in doing it, but it was becoming clear to me in the last few months that it's not sustainable if I keep spending 12 to 14 hours a day, seven days a week doing this. I can't do that forever. So we're looking at other options. I have a group now of five of us looking at other ways to do this and to make it sustainable. In terms of the reward, well, I mean, like five minutes in the group and you'll see what I mean. Um, We have ladies that are in desperate need and literally homeless or very precariously housed. So helping them is a huge reward. And that can take a lot of time, just looking around, finding the right ladies, the good match. Twist on the old matchmakers. Yeah. Matchmakers. The older women in our communities. <laughs> Makes you want to sing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned earlier that there were a lot of political issues. Of course, I think it's obvious to anyone who's thinking about this or listening that this isn't just about, and it shouldn't be just about individuals or individual women helping each other, but that there is a system that must yes. be broken in many ways if there are so many older women out there. And Facebook is just one platform. So there are many more women who I'm sure don't have a computer or aren't on Facebook who can't be reached right now. And I wonder what your take is on that, having had the opportunity to hear so many stories and be engaged with these women firsthand. Yeah, well, it doesn't take too long before you realize how woefully unprepared the country generally and specifically Ontario is for aging baby boomers and the ones who most always seem to be women. But what I learned was not only were we woefully unprepared, we, we were woefully lacking in affordable housing. And so it's really quite pathetic. And Ontario and Nova Scotia are the two that lag behind most of the other provinces for taking action to help low-income people. So there's, there's not only not enough rental housing available for any demographic, there's particularly no affordable rental housing for lower-income people. Then I started to worry that I would get their hopes up. Women come into the group and they read for a few days and then invariably, oh, Pat, I'm so grateful to you. I feel like I have a new lease on life. I have hope now. I've had no hope. I was painted into a corner. I mean, all of the ways in which they express their gratitude for the group, which is great. But if they can't find an affordable house, even if they Mm -hmm. are joined together with four other ladies, it's just hope that gets shattered. And I don't want to be part of that. So we're working on how we can become more politically active and the right way to be politically active, the way that makes a difference and to get public support. We're your mother or we're your grandmother or your aunt, or we feel that we can get a lot of support for this, but it has to be done right. So, you know, we need to start looking at that too. So we have another project. It's it's a blossoming project. That's clear. It started off as just a, a sort of utilitarian, pragmatic, thing. And now clearly 
there's lots of other issues that you're touching on and now you're mobilizing. That's what it sounds like. Yes, we're trying to. Yeah. Yeah. I want to come back to something else you said that's piqued my interest when you were saying that with the women that you're going to be moving in with or working on an agreement, starting a, a new kind of arrangement, a social arrangement amongst a demographic of older women. So you have a lot of living experience and life experience with kids and spouses. And so you must be bringing all of that to the table. Yeah, well, that was clear to me that essentially what was the point of getting people together, especially at our age, helping them find what seemed like like-minded people, seemed like compatible housemates. And then three months into the arrangement, you're bitterly unhappy and you have to move again. And moving is horribly stressful, and especially as we age even more so. So again, it was something I wasn't interested in propagating that kind of thing happening. So I did some research on what makes for you know success in these kinds of things. There's enough what's called co-housing kind of models you can get that information from. They're joining together, living together in community. What are the issues that come up and what makes for success and what doesn't? And over and over again, it was clear to me as I did the reading, if you're not prepared, it's probably not going to work. What does preparation mean? It means not only talking to a potential homemate about how you have the same sense of humor or because you like to laugh at and watch the same movies. You both like to garden. Uh, those things aren't enough. And to live together compatibly, you've got to uh, discuss a lot more than those things. So I developed, um, based on the reading I did, it wasn't, I didn't create it. It's not like my intellectual property or anything, but I just pulled together all these ideas that I found into a series of questions, essentially, about 24 of them, to ask individually and together in conversation, these living together kinds of questions so that they're not caught up in something unsuccessful. I just think that's incredibly thoughtful. So give me an example of one of the kinds of issues or questions. What are we going to do if one of our homemates has to leave the house for some reason and she's signed the lease with us? And how are we going to organize that? How are we going to manage that? You know, somebody might decide to or might have to leave and go into a nursing care or might decide to leave to help out a sister in another part of the country who's suffering and needs help. So there's all kinds of reasons why someone might leave and how we're going to manage that. Simple things like about snow shoveling and gardening and how do we organize for that? What about cleaning the house? How are we going to manage disagreements? Because they're going to arise, absolutely. It's a family after all and we'll behave like family and we're not always going to be in sync. What do we need to know about each other in order to work that through in a good way. The last one I put up was how to fight productively with your roommate. Are we going to cook every night? Is someone going to do the cooking? Are we all going to share? How do we clean up after ourselves? What's that going to look like? So I just pose the questions and then it's really just a start because once people actually sit down with the, I put together a worksheet, they start thinking of other things. Like for instance, one group got in touch with me and said, well, you know what we thought of was what about having to put a ramp in at some point if somebody's, you know, suddenly has to be in a wheelchair? Do we share the cost of putting in a ramp or how do we do that? That and questions I have for creating their profile, it informs people about the others in the group, but also about yourself. You start to see things about yourself that you might not 
otherwise have seen. Like, for instance, if you're going to live in community and cost effectiveness that we need, we're not going to find five bedroom house with five bathrooms, you know? So some people are going to have to share. And so people were saying, well, I can't share a bathroom. I've never shared a bathroom. I can't do that. And then as time goes on and they see the benefits of the community and living in community, suddenly sharing a bathroom is not quite as important as it was at the beginning. So we learn about ourselves all the time. As you're speaking, I couldn't help thinking, gee, I wonder what I put in my profile to (laughs) (laughs) to find people who would live harmoniously. It's actually quite a challenging thing to think about what you give on and what are things that are deal breakers for you personally. Yeah, that's what we call them too, deal breakers. I was thinking about grandchildren too and the, you know, I'm sure many of the older women have grandchildren that they'd like to come visit and how does that work? You're building your own community as an adult older woman, but you also have extended family and community and around you presumably and there's a lot to negotiate when you think about it at this stage in life. Exactly, that's one of our questions actually. What about visitors? What about guests? How does that work? Who pays for their food while they're there? Have you talked to your daughter about what you're doing? What does she think about all of this? Uh, She just laughs and says, oh mom, trust you. (laughs) You rock. (laughs) And she's just very supportive. Well, what she hears in my voice, she hears that life had drained out of me after my husband's death. Like most women who are grieving, I think I was any different than anyone else, but my voice changed. I hardly laughed. And she hears all that coming back and she's like, wow, mom, you rock. (laughs) She's right. (laughs) You do. I do. It's implicit in everything you're saying. It's the backdrop for all of it, but it is the, the emotional landscape of older women. Everybody has a different story and everyone has a different experience, but it does seem to me is there are some things that are universal, just moments in life that I hear from a lot of grandmothers that they're experiencing. And it seems to me that the group that you've started also gives an outlet for women to be talking about that because it's part of the struggle is to find somewhere to feel secure and supported. Yeah, well, exactly. And a lot of people come and they said, I don't know that I'll ever want to do this. I'm interested in talking with everyone and learning about it, but I don't know if it'll ever be for me. And sometimes they're the most active, you know, on our feed, our newsfeed page with commenting and sharing, because you're right, what they're receiving from the group may never be a community living arrangement, but what they're receiving is that community now for a sense of invisibleness that we experience as we age not feeling that you have a purpose anymore or that you matter. I mean, it goes on and on. So yes, many, many of the 1,500 ladies that we have may never participate in what we're actually offering, but they're participating in in the conversations. I guess it shows you how necessary it is, but also how few fora there are for it to happen. I hear the mobilization piece around thinking carefully through how do you... Political action. Right, around political action. And what else are you thinking? What do you hope happens next? Well, because it's being requested by so many across Canada for other provinces, I'd like to see senior ladies living together, sister groups across Canada, or a website that includes all Canadian women. So we're looking at that, what the costs of that will be, and go and get some funding and make it happen. And I'm sure amongst the women who are participating, there's all sorts of skills 
oh my gosh, yeah. Just discovered one of our ladies has a PhD in law. <laughs> she's not only a lawyer, she's got a PhD. Lots and lots of skills within the group. We have a person with surveys. We're currently getting her help to design a good survey with the right kinds of questions that we need to get a snapshot of the 1,560 people we have right now to understand the who of the group. And there's ladies in the group that are living in their car, ladies with degrees who've had very successful careers living in their car. You'd never know it. They'd never tell you. It's not going to get better. We have to do something. And what were you doing before you retired and went on the boat with your husband? How did you become this person who's doing this? <laughs> Who are well, you, Pat? I, I'm a nurse. I'm a registered nurse. I started out my early career in the hospital and was never keen on that. So I shifted to community nursing. And that's where my love of creating community and developing community comes from. So I went back to school, university and got a degree and became a public health nurse in my 40s. I've done a lot of counseling. I had a child die when he was five and a half years old. and I was 30. And I had my own healing to do and found the best way to do that was through a group I belonged to called Bury Families of Ontario. And I did about 10 years volunteering for them, leading self-help groups in that part of going through loss and building skills so you can survive and not only survive, but actually thrive. And then I got sort of burnt out with nursing. So in my 50s, I, I developed a consulting company doing health and safety consulting in workplaces, high-risk workplaces, because I'd had so many clients over the years, young families who lost the breadwinner, the, usually the man, to a workplace accident. I had a little cafe after that, which is a huge mistake. Restaurants aren't just fun. They're a heck of a lot of work and I couldn't make any money. And then my husband that died uh, four years ago was my second husband. I had a 30-year marriage that ended in divorce when in my early 50s. And then I met Dave and he was the first man I ever really fell in love with. So it was a marvelous, wonderful experience. And then, of course, we both love boating. We've both been boaters. So it was a natural thing to want to spend the rest of our lives on the boat. So that's what we did. That's gorgeous. There is a continuity in the way that you've engaged with the people around you. Now it makes complete sense to me that when there wasn't something there, you just went ahead and started it. Yeah, it came from all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've always engaged with people that way. And it's one of the things that I love speaking to older women and grandmothers in particular is that there is this lifetime of building these skills, emotional, pragmatic work skills, just a whole plethora of things that women are gathering and doing and not always recognizing until the moment where they have to activate them or plug them in. True. How true. Yeah, Start to look and you see, oh my gosh, I have a lot to give to this. The lots that I can share and lots that I can do. And, you know, I can't do it alone, but I can get it started. <laughs> It's a lost resource in a way when women are in your position and the 1,500 plus women that you're engaging with, when all of those resources and skills and life learning have to be poured into just subsistence and survival, oh. as opposed to having those needs met so that you can pour all of those skills into something else and whatever it is that's beyond staying alive and staying secure and having a place to live. Oh, that seems that like a real shame to me the more I listen to you. It's tragic. It's absolutely tragic. And you're absolutely right. You just pulled it all together right there, Alana. The ladies I'm meeting will boggle your mind who are spending every day worrying about whether or not they can manage without going to the food bank this month. These are 
magnificent women and all of their energy taken up with just trying to live. It's, it's tragic. We're losing a wonderful opportunity in this country when we lose our seniors. We're not capitalizing on what's right here, standing yeah. right in front of us. Exactly. You talked a bit about invisibility that a lot of mm. women experience as they get older, and that's a values deficit in our culture. Mm. That's, that's not just what happens. It's not an inevitability. Mm-hmm. It's right. It is a values deficit. It doesn't take much of brain power to know that it's just right to make sure vulnerable people are supportive. It's just right to have affordable housing. And all of these others that are struggling, they have something to contribute to us. Amazing some things to contribute to us. All we need to do is listen and then share. It's about sharing, you know? We teach our kids to share. It's the first thing you teach them. Share your toys. Right. I mean, what, what happens? What disconnected? Yeah, exactly. I just love that. And I love what you're doing. And I thank you so much for the contribution you're making. I hope this flourishes. I hope it gets the funding that it needs and the expansion, the visibility that it needs. It's really wonderful to hear from you who've been experiencing this precariousness yourself and have taken matters into your own hands and extended it beyond yourself and real admiration. Well, well, thanks a lot, Alain, and thanks for the opportunity. The more people that start facing the reality of our housing crisis in this country, the better. So I'm happy to share my concerns about it. I want to make sure that people know how to get in touch with you. Yeah, so you go to facebook.com slash groups slash senior ladies living together dot com and you'll get to the group and click on join and you're in. Well, you have to have to answer a few questions. You have to prove you're real. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and not, you know, just out to get some money out of senior women or something. Right. But uh, yeah, you just you just answer a few questions and you're in. Lovely. Okay, that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Pat. This was delightful. And I want to check back with you maybe in a few months so I can see how things are going. Yeah, that would be great. I'd love it. Great. Beautiful. Thanks so much, Alana. Thanks, Pat. Thanks for listening. I'm Ilana Landsberg-Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move. If you want to find out more about me or the podcast, go to grandmothersonthemove.com and come back next week for another episode.